Good evening. You guys feeling okay? All right, cool. Well, hey, welcome to Genesis. We are glad that you're here. We don't take it lightly that you chose to spend your Tuesday night with us. And so thanks for coming. And uh, again, we're glad you're here. And uh, this is week five of our series, Fresh, uh, where we are discussing some of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but more importantly, we're discussing the pursuit of the giver uh, of that fruit, the Holy Spirit. And so uh, over the last few weeks, we've talked about uh, love joy and peace. And tonight we're going to be continuing this theme of patience or of, um, this, <laughs> by discussing, discussing patience is what we're going to talk, we're going to be talking about tonight. So, uh, I'm excited for that. And, uh, as a wise man once said, patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. And uh, a lot like handwritten letters and learning a stranger's name and the guitar solo, uh, patience is a bit of a lost art. Yeah, it's a bit of a lost art, and uh, with the increasing speed of today's world, it's almost as if patience has a negative connotation, right? It's almost as if patience has become synonymous with like, ugh. Like, if if someone tells you like, hey, just be patient, that's not what you want to hear, right? That kind of drives you crazy when people tell you that, right? So, and I know this firsthand because, in some ways. I'm incredibly patient. I'm incredibly patient with people and, and uh, at restaurants, I'm incredibly patient. But Lord, help me if I get stuck in traffic or the internet is slow, all right? So those are like my patience weak spots, okay? So um, we're so used to the, the page loading fast, the, uh, the TV show to stream without stopping. We're used to ordering on the app to skip the line. We live in a fast-paced world, and so we're so used to that. And, uh, and, and actually, I, uh, this time last year, uh, around, around this time of last year, I, I bought a year subscription to ESP in the magazine because I got like a birthday discount and it was like 20 bucks for a year. And so I was like, oh, this is a no brainer. I'm gonna get this. And I got all of the issues and it came around again this time of year to renew it. And I decided not to because uh, I would say probably half the issues that I got of ESPN in the magazine, by the time it got in my mailbox, the news on the front cover had changed. And I already knew about it because of the internet, because of my phone, because of Twitter. I was like, this is not even worth $20. Like this isn't even accurate information anymore. And so that's why we see newspapers and magazines are starting to phase out because social media and news channels are just so much faster. And uh, I wanted to, to talk about tonight, uh, there is uh, something in the economy. So if you've ever taken an economics class, uh, if, has anyone ever taken an economics class? Raise your hand. Wow, not as many as I, I thought. Okay, so in, in uh, an economics class, you might hear of something called the invisible hand. I don't know if you guys have ever heard about this before. But basically what this is, is like a sum of all like the, the manufacturers and the, uh, the, the people that ship items, the deliverers, the store itself. It, they will all work together to get you the item that you need. They're doing their job to get paid, but as a, a society, we get to reap the benefits of that. And so in other words, the invisible hand is, uh, is if you want cereal in the morning, all you have to do is reach out and grab the cereal out of your cabinet or at most reach out to your nearest grocery store and the cereal is there. And it's because the invisible hand put it there, right? It's the sum of all of those people making that happen. And so as a society, we, we get the, uh, the benefits of that. And in today's world, this invisible hand has grown larger than it's ever been before. If you want a song, if you want a movie, if you want a TV show, if you want any information that you'll ever need, all you have to do is reach out and grab it. And it's there and little to no delay. And so as our world has sped up, our desire for patience has slowed down. 
But I think that this issue of patience goes much deeper than just this surface level, superficial type of things. That there are things in our life that, that we don't have, that we don't like to be patient for. And this, there, there are things in our life that we want today that we're not able to have. There are things in our life that we wish we could just reach out and take hold of. Maybe graduating, maybe a certain job, maybe a, uh, accomplishing a God-given dream, maybe finding the person that you're going to marry. You fill in the blank. There are things in your life that you want to be, uh, to be right there in your reach, but you have to be patient for it. And I would argue that just because we don't like to be patient or because patient, being patient is hard, doesn't mean it's less valuable in the eyes of God. It doesn't mean that it's lost its value in the eyes of God. And so tonight, I want to discuss this concept of patience by reading a story from the book of Luke. Uh, and so if you would, uh, turn to Luke chapter 8. Uh, in your Bibles, uh, if, you, if you brought them. If not, it'll be on the screen. While you're doing so, I'll get you up to speed. Um, at this point uh, in the life and ministry of Jesus, Jesus has been doing what we've talked about the, before, the, the three Ps. He's been preaching, prophesying, and performing miracles. And uh, if you remember from a couple weeks ago when we talked about peace, we talked about Jesus uh, going out onto the Sea of Galilee during a storm and he calmed the, the storm on the sea. This is actually right after that, okay? So um, it's actually not long after that moment, Jesus and the disciples come back, they make it back after their trip and they are welcomed home by this large crowd of people. And out of this crowd of people comes a man named Jairus, who was a religious leader in the town, and he came with a request for Jesus. And so that's what we'll pick up the story in Luke 8, 40 through 42. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. So, like I said, we see Jesus return home from a trip, and he's welcomed home by this large crowd. And out of the crowd comes Jairus. And out of desperation, he falls at Jesus' feet, and then he begins to, to beg him to come to his house because his daughter was there, and his daughter was sick, and she was dying, and she needed to be healed, and he believed that Jesus could do it. And so Jesus obliged and he followed closely and uh, he was followed closely by the large crowd as he went. So let's keep reading verse 43. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So as we see Jesus, uh, he's on his way to the house of Jairus, and then he has this encounter with a woman. And the scripture says that this woman had had a, a discharge of blood for 12 years. 12 years. That is a very long time. If you remember the uh, small detail from the situation of Jairus and his daughter, his daughter was 12 years old. So for the entire uh, lifespan of this daughter that Jesus is on the way to heal, that's how long this lady's been dealing with this disease. And she had spent all of her money on physicians, on treatment, trying to get better. And it hadn't worked. 
And it's likely that she had been taken advantage of financially by doctors. And so she had likely even traveled to see doctors who weren't able to help her. And so not only is she dealing with a physical problem, she's also dealing with a financial problem. And then to add to all of that, we actually, uh, if you look back in the old laws of Leviticus, what she was dealing with actually deemed her unclean according to the Jewish law, which means that she was shunned by her community. She was outcast and she was looked down upon because of what she was going through. And so not only was she dealing with a physical problem, she was dealing with a financial problem. And she was also dealing with the problem of being shunned and outcast by the people around her. And so we see here like the trifecta of problems, okay? Things are not going well for this woman. And so, uh, so she had lived with this problem for 12 years, 12 years that were surely filled with questioning and, and uh, frustration and anger and confusion and suffering. And she was actively but patiently waiting on a solution. And on that day, a day that she thought would be like all the others, another day broken, another day suffering, another day outcast, another day going through a day like all the others, what happens? Jesus comes to town. Jesus shows up. She comes up behind Jesus and in the middle of the crowd, and what does she do? She reaches out and touches the hem of his robe, the fringe of his garment. And with no delay, the discharge of blood ceases. She's healed And then Jesus turns around and he says, who touched me? Who touched me? And Peter, bless his heart, he's like, listen, you're in a crowd of people, Jesus. What do you mean who touched you? You're rubbing shoulders with all kinds of people. And Jesus says, no, Peter, listen, someone touched me in faith. I felt them touch me and reach out out of faith because I felt the power come out of me. And so he, he, uh, he, he sees that, um, the woman sees that, hears Jesus say this, who touched me? And, uh, and, and he says this, the woman hears him say this and she's immediately terrified and, and she falls on her knees and she starts explaining why it was that she reached out and touched Jesus. She falls on her knees and she's like, Jesus, it was me. She confesses to him, listen, I was the one that touched you. I've been dealing with this disease for 12 years. I've been, every single day I've been waiting on something to help me. Every, every single day I've been waiting patiently for someone to come fix my problem. And then I heard you were coming to town and I just believed you could do it. And I thought, man, if I could just get close, if I could just touch him, if I could just get near him, if I could just touch the fringe of his garment, I'd be healed. I know I shouldn't have done that. I just believed you could do it. And I know I'm sorry. I know I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm unclean. I'm a transgressor. But I just believed you could do it. You see, when that woman saw Jesus turn around, she was, she was expecting to be met with the law. She was expecting to be met with condemnation and judgment. But we don't see Jesus react that way at all. Instead, he, re, he reacts in acceptance and approval and understanding. And, and what does he say? He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Now go in peace. And her life was never the same. Let me tell you something tonight. Any day could be the day that changes your life. Any day could be the day that changes your life. And here's the truth. A season of patience is worth a moment of breakthrough. A season of patience is worth a moment of breakthrough. I'm sure at the moment that lady was healed, those 12 years disappeared like that. It didn't matter anymore. She was healed. So a season of patience 
is worth a moment of breakthrough. And this was just a normal day in the life of this woman until Jesus intervened. And so for those of you who are here tonight who are uh, waiting on that specific thing, waiting on that prayer to get answered, waiting on that person to come into your life, waiting on that problem to get solved, waiting for your time to come, hear me when I tell you that any day could be the day that changes your life because you never know when Jesus is gonna intervene in your life in a way that only he can. And he's working behind the scenes in ways that we may not understand, ways that we may not see or comprehend, but we have to trust that he's working and then then comes the day where we get to lay our eyes on what he's been working on. And we get to see that come to fruition. And Jesus knew that woman's time of healing was coming. He knew that her season of patience was over and her moment of breakthrough was coming and he knew exactly what had to happen to make that moment take place. And all that woman had to do was reach out. So if you're in a season of patience tonight, your moment of breakthrough is coming. And God's timing, your moment of breakthrough is coming. Believe that tonight. Believe that God has you in a season of patience for a reason. And he's doing the behind the scenes work that you may never see, understand, or comprehend, but then comes that day that changes your life. The question is if you are patient enough to wait on it. The question is if you're patient enough to wait on it. Now, this story, this story is not over. The story is not over. What about Jairus' daughter? What about the, the girl that he was on the way to heal when he got stopped by this woman? Let's keep reading and find out. This is verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him, except Peter and John and James, and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. So as, as Jesus is ending his encounter with the woman, Jairus is approached by someone that came from his house. And so this man comes from the house of Jairus to, to tell Jairus, listen, it's too late. It's too late. She's gone. Your daughter is dead. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. It's over. It's too late. And Jesus overhears him say this and he replies, hey, listen, don't lose hope just yet. Just believe, just have some faith. She'll be just fine. They arrive at the house of Jairus and in another gospel account, we actually see that people are actually surrounding the house, playing music uh, and, and, and surrounding the house in a way that you would after someone had passed away. You don't see that in this account, but that was taking place. And so if you would imagine as they approach this house, a crowd of people around the house, the daughter has just died. Uh, people are crying and sniffling. The tissues are out. The sad music is playing. The funeral plans are being arranged. And then here comes Jesus. He walks into the house along with the girl's parents and Peter, James, and John, and they're all crying and mourning. 
And Jesus speaks up and he says, do not weep. Stop your crying. She's not dead. She's just asleep. And they start laughing at him like, you can't be serious, Jesus. We, we just saw her die. We checked her vitals. She has no pulse. She's dead. And Jesus ignores them all together. And he reaches out and he grabs the hand of the little girl, brings her back to life. He says, child, arise. And her spirit returns. And he looks at the parents. He says, feed her. And that's it. The parents are left with their jaws on the floor seeing Jesus just heal their little girl. There might be some things in your life that you think are dead and gone. There are things in your life that you think are dead and gone. Maybe that's a relationship. Maybe that's a God-given dream. Maybe that's a second chance. And everything in, in your head says what that man from the house of Jairus said. It's too late. The dream is dead. The second chance is gone. You've blown it. Why spend the time anymore? Why spend the money anymore? Why give it the time of day anymore? Why give it the energy anymore? It's over. She's dead. You've blown it. It's too late. Jesus wants to tell you tonight, don't lose hope just yet. He's not done with you. He's not done with your life. He's not done with what he's called you to do. What you think may be dead in your life may only be sleeping. And all it takes is one touch from Jesus and it changes everything. God has the ability to breathe new life into whatever he chooses. He breathed new life into the lungs of Adam at creation. He breathed new life into the lungs of Lazarus when he raised him from the dead. He breathed new life into the lungs of the daughter of Jairus. And when his perfect son was lying dead in a tomb, he breathed new life into him as well. After he had died a death for you and me to bring us life. God is in the business of bringing new life to you and to what he's called you to do. And what seems dead in your life may just be asleep and it may just need a touch of Jesus. What you think is dead may just be asleep. I'm gonna ask Jacob to come back up. And tonight we're just gonna take five minutes. I want us to respond to what the Lord has told you tonight. And I would encourage you not to miss a moment. We've all got busy lives. We've got things going on. We, we sprint through life and everything's blurry when you sprint through life. And we've all got things going on. We've got all these thoughts that clutter our mind. And we've, we've, we've kind of lost the art of patience. We've lost the art of waiting on the Lord. So tonight, I would encourage you to slow things down. Take a moment. Wait for the Lord reach out just like the woman did what you think is dead in your life may just be asleep maybe it needs new breath from Jesus tonight so as Jacob plays this song I would encourage you to take a moment slow things down and allow yourself to feel the presence of God and don't miss a moment don't sprint through the moment Jesus is with us tonight so I would encourage you to reach out to him so whether that looks like you praying, whether that looks like you singing along, whatever that looks like for you, I would encourage you to do so. Let me pray for you. 
God, we, th- we thank you so much for all that you do for us. God, we thank you that even though we would never measure up, God, you measured up for us and you made a way of salvation for us and that when your son came to live a perfect life, died a death that we deserved, God, in that tomb, you breathed new life into his lungs. God, you are a God that wants to breathe new life into us tonight and new life into what you've called us to do. We thank you for the story of the faith and the patience of the woman that waited on you, waited on her answer, waited on her solution, and she reached out and she found her healing. God, I pray that tonight we would find our healing tonight. God, I pray that you would reach out back to us, God, as we draw near to you, that you would draw near to us, and that we would not miss a moment to experience you. All we have to do is reach out. God, you are here. Jesus, you are here. Holy Spirit, you are here. We want to feel you tonight. We want to have an experience and an encounter with you tonight. God, whatever it is we may be waiting on tonight, Jesus. God, I pray, I pray patience and peace over this crowd tonight, God, that we would be patient enough to wait on the moment that you intervene in our life and change us forever. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.